Toots. Welcome to Brave New Church. I hope you all have been enjoying your summer, have been able to get out and take advantage of the beautiful weather, and perhaps even sneak in a week of vacation. You know, for so many of us, the summer is a slower time of year, time to take a breath, to pause, to refocus. But this summer, one particular group of people has been especially busy, busier than they perhaps ever were before. Here in Pennsylvania, two of the oldest seminaries in the Lutheran Church have closed a few short weeks ago and now reopened as the new United Lutheran Seminary. The Lutheran Theological Seminaries at Philadelphia and Gettysburg no longer exist, but have now been formed into this new thing, this new plan, this new seminary. I had the opportunity to sit down with the new admissions director of the combined school, Nate Pressinger, just a few days ago. We had a chance to talk about the new school, a brand new curriculum that the seminary is rolling out, and perhaps most importantly, what has been learned through this process that all of us in the church world can take advantage of in the 21st century, but also what some of the key skills and competencies that our leaders in the church today need to do meaningful ministry in today's brave new world. I invite you to listen in as Nate and I sit down. Thanks so much for getting together today on this beautiful, sunny summer day that we are sitting inside. <laughs> Par for the course. That's the way it goes. Yes. So you do a variety of interesting things uh, here at, I guess it's, what's the proper terminology for the new seminary now? Is it ULS Philly or United Lutheran Seminary of Philadelphia? No, thank you for <laughs> allowing me to dispel any rumors. Uh, we're going with United Lutheran Seminary, uh -huh. and this is the Philadelphia campus, which is where I'm based. But uh -huh. as you know, it's one seminary with two campuses. Yes, yes, I have heard that. And you are the uh, admissions director of the new... Uh, Correct. Dual campus seminary, correct? Very good, yep. How'd you uh, end up doing that? Oh gosh, alright, so I served as the pastor of a nice Lutheran church in Buffalo, New York for five years. As part of my time there, I got to know the old admissions director at um, the Lutheran Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, Mr. Matt O'Rear. Um, he would come out to do recruiting things, etc., etc. Some of his seminary friends were some of my colleagues out there. So we built a relationship and friendship with Matt, and then he called me up one day and asked if I wanted to come be associate director of admissions under him at uh, LTSP. And it was a good timing. I'd been at the, my first call there for five years, and it just seemed like a good opportunity for my family and for me, something exciting and new and different. So um, I took the plunge and headed on out here. And it's been, and then just through various shufflings, mergers, um, changes, here we are. Uh, and yeah, I get to be director of admissions for this new 
this new school that we're putting together and launching. That's awesome. And so how many years have you been on staff at the seminary? Two years. Two years. Yep. Two years. And uh, yeah, so there's uh, a lot going on here in Philadelphia. And yeah, you noticed. <laughs> I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard whisperings that, that uh, there might be some changes. And um, I think a lot of people have heard something about it, but I'm really curious to, to hear... Uh, more or less from the horse's mouth, so to speak, um, <laughs> kind of a little bit of the, the backstory or, or what the hopes and dreams are for this new vision. And um, I really think it's really incredible to see these two very old institutions of the Lutheran Church reshaping themselves for today's brave new world. But uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, kind of what the, the hopes and dreams for that are. Yeah, no, and and I have my perspective on this. Obviously, I wasn't a part of um, the high-level administration that made a lot of the decisions, but I've heard a lot of uh, what went into that and the thoughts and hopes behind it. I, I think one of the things that I always tell prospective students, because that's the people I could probably communicate with most, is that this merger um, was a forward-thinking move. It's It's not like... I mean, all seminaries are going through various difficult times right. in terms of enrollment and uh, shrinking endowments. Um, and certainly Philadelphia and Gettysburg seminaries uh, were not immune to that. That being said, the merger very much so was a proactive and forward-looking solution. It wasn't like a, oh shoot, if we don't do this, then we'll close tomorrow. It right. was, let's let's get ahead of this. Let's do something new and, and, and forward-thinking for the sake of the church as a whole. We can, mm-hmm. do, we can do so much more together than we can do separately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so with that, um, there's a lot that happens when you merge two historic institutions. Gettysburg's the oldest Lutheran seminary in the country. I believe Philadelphia was the second oldest. Um, And so there's a lot of history uh, that goes into all of that. Uh, and, and there's a lot to traverse with it. We can talk about um, some of the bumps in the road and the ups and downs in a second. But what I will say is that as they as they merge these two schools together, uh, they wanted to have a whole new name, have a whole new curriculum, mm-hmm. um, and, and really uh, kind of clear the deck and ask the question of what is it that the church today needs from its leaders? And so then how should we be preparing them? trying not to just operate on assumptions, but to really clear the deck and say, if you could start a new seminary, what would it look like? How would things operate? What would we do with that? Um, And there's some pretty exciting pieces that they've put in place already that I think really showcase the fact that this is how they went about the merger or attempted to go about it. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite part of the whole thing as an outsider, but but, uh, one pretty close to it watching things as they took shape is that it's not just a building from where we were before, although there's always going to be some of that, but there was a conscious decision to make a bold move and to do something new and to ask the question at the very beginning, what do we need to shape leaders for today's child? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that is a, a, you know, really an interesting example for, for so many congregations, for so many other parachurch ministries to ask the question, what do we need today as their starting point, rather than what we normally do, which is kind of do a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, analysis, and kind of say, how do we incrementally build upon where we're at now and get, you know, forward, which worked in the last century, mm-hmm. but it, do, it simply doesn't work anymore. The businesses in the world that still operate that way have closed their doors. And so, I, I mean, that's probably my favorite part of this whole move. I'm kind of curious, 
what some of the answers might be to that question uh, when it was yeah, yeah. asked, what do leaders <laughs> need for today's Brave New Church? No, and so, and now this is the portion, I'm trying to just give you the story and give our listeners right. the story, um, realizing that, I mean, I'm I'm the salesman for the <laughs> seminary, like I'll admit it and I'll claim that, and so I'm, I was just hoping we could put off as long as possible <laughs> the point where it now sounds like product placement. Right, right. <laughs> um, so forgive me. Um, I will get you that. But in the same sense, this I, I do think it's exciting, and it and it showcases exactly what I was talking about. Case in point, when they did this, one of the first pieces that they put into place um, was some really excellent financial aid. And, and let me say mm. a piece about that. Obviously, one of the struggles that is facing the church today is seminary debt and just yeah. student loan debt. It's, it's facing everyone so. in the country. Um, and and it's, it's a systemic problem. Mm. If you graduate seminary with $60,000, $100,000 in student loan debt, it limits your availability to take certain calls. Maybe yeah. you do feel really called to um, part-time ministry or something like that where there's a host of churches that would be more than willing to take you but you can't take that call then because you need to make a certain amount of money just to make your student loan payments. Right. Right. So this is this is having large effects on on the way that the church is operating as a whole. Um, and so while we can't wave a magic wand and completely fix it, um, what we can do, or what the what United Lutheran Seminary is attempting to do, is to offer really groundbreaking financial aid. And the specifics of that, what I will say. The way that they've talked about it is that this was the first stake in the ground when building the budget. Mm. And so it goes all the way back to that. When you're building the budget for United Lutheran Seminary, typically when you build a budget, financial aid is just kind of like, well, here's what's left right, over. Exactly. And, but rather than have it be it's an like afterthought. the youth ministry of seminary education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, that a great analogy. Sorry. Holy yeah. spirit moment there. But yeah, but a budget is a value statement, and you you start. It sounds right. like the, the first starting values were we need to rebalance the equation for yep. our students. We need to offer groundbreaking and excellent financial aid, and it, it's it's wonderful too, right? It's a great story to tell as well. Yeah, and so it, it's really thoughtful in that sense of not only is this what the church needs and what our students need at the moment is for them to be supported in their education like never before. Well, actually not like never before, because this used to be how seminary was. All, all the older alums always tell me that. Um, but that it's also this great story to tell, too, of like, look what we're trying to do, the way that we support our students, the way we put students first. So with that, specifically, we are offering, here's the sales pitch, full tuition scholarships for all of our ELCA students who are studying full-time and taking their courses on campus and who are in good standing with their candidacy committee. Um, so obviously this doesn't cover everything. There's still housing costs that go along with it, food and but books. But it goes a long way. But it goes a long way and it's it's different than anything that happened ever before and we're seeing a really great response to it as well in terms of incoming numbers. And so that that's the other piece is hopefully this is also removing a barrier for folks. Right. They hear about these full tuition scholarships, they call me up and for the first time they're actually able to wrap their mind around taking this next step towards answering God's call. Yeah, and that's been one of the growing conversations and, and really points of panic for a lot of seminaries and a lot of synods is we, we need more pastors, less people are going to seminary, especially younger people. But we've seen even in the last year since this kind of started with ULS, just here putting on my synod hat for a moment yeah. in southeastern Pennsylvania, we, we've seen an explosion of new, very promising 
candidates interested in ministry and even uh, enrolling at the seminary. And I imagine we're not the only synod that that's happened in. Very true. Yep, absolutely. Upstate New York Synod is also one um, that has not historically had a, a large number mm-hmm. of candidates, but in the last like two to three years, even since announcing this, we've just been getting a large number. Those are the two that I know of, is mm. Southeast Penn and Upstate New York. Wow. Um, and, and I'm sure there's other ones too if I just looked at the at the numbers and everything. Mm. Tell me more about how ULS is reframing the the conversation of how we raise up and, and, and also how we train our pastors as leaders for today's world. Yeah. So one of the other pieces that I mentioned when um, right clearing the deck and being able to ask these hard questions is they wanted to design a totally new curriculum. And in thinking about that, what was exciting is when you're merging these two schools, you suddenly can take the most talented minds on the faculty together. Um, and, and really, the curriculum team, I just think the world of every, every person um, who was a part of that process. But, but they're designing now what's called, they've created a competency-based curriculum. Mm. Idea being that they wanted to really highlight um, and, and train students in specific competencies for the realities of ministry today. And, and so they asked a lot of these hard questions about what not just, it's not just what material do these students need to learn, right. but what skills do they need to graduate this school with? Mm-hmm. And so the students at United Lutheran <laughs> Seminary will go through this curriculum, they'll build a portfolio of these different artifacts that they kind of collect through their different courses. Uh, the idea being that as you you're building up these very specific skill sets this toolbox so that when you graduate you graduate with confidence knowing that you've been specifically trained for the realities of 21st century ministry but then additionally too that that you right you have these skills to fall back on you've already demonstrated those skills in the classroom setting and it really as you think about it um, certainly, seminary has been very effective in the past, um, and and you and I went through a not competency based curriculum, right. and yet we made it out. I think we're still kind of competent, right? <laughs> Most like, of the time, <laughs> this I isn't say. a knock on what was, but it's it's forward looking to say like, no, yes. how can we how can we maybe do this a little better? Because I think part of what happened in the past um, is that you go to seminary and you're trained in um, in, in the type of setting where the 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 faculty member gets up front and gives you a great lecture on theology right. and you listen to it and you maybe ask a question or two to better mm-hmm. understand it but then you write a paper yes. showcasing that you have understood mm-hmm. what the distinguished faculty member said so that's the environment you're trained in mm-hmm. so then when you step out of seminary into a church you even though it. the classroom and the parish are two very different paradigms more often than not what can happen is that because you've been trained in this environment, you think that's what you need to replicate. Right. And so you get up on Sunday morning or at the council meeting. And you and read you papers s- about theology. And you read papers <laughs> about theology. <laughs> and then you go home. Or, right, right. And you can see how that would be really problematic for um, especially the realities of the church in the 21st century. When, yeah. when things are so much more... Um, Just dynamic. And, yeah, and dynamic, fast-paced. Yeah. And... and, and the rest of the world doesn't operate in that way any longer, right? right. right? In, in 1950, the lecture was still an event. Mm-hmm. People would go to lectures just mm-hmm. to listen. Like, this was entertainment 60 <laughs> right. years ago. And right. and there still exists some of that today, but you look at TED Talks, right. and these are shorter, they're more dynamic, they're more interactive. 
Um, right, like that's just, mm-hmm. it's well, not also, the same. And also just the privileged position of the church isn't what it once was. And so, you know, we've gone from uh, what religiously um, for many people was at least perceived to be like a, a mono-optional society. Like, what do you do on a Sunday morning? You go to church, <laughs> you know, you join the committees, you do the council meetings, all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's just not our context anymore. We have a, a, a ever-changing, a multi-optional society. And, you know, if we're training our leaders for a church that no longer exists, then we're not really setting them up for, to be successful leaders in today's world. And so I, I just love that the seminary is even asking those questions because I think that it, that is the critical question. Exactly. Well, and so, and in addition to all of this as well, the curriculum's been designed, uh, they've really given a lot of thought to just this reality that the way you are trained is often then what you try to emulate. Mm. And it's tricky because the classroom, as I said before, is very different than the parish. But so, another example of this, one of the ways that the curriculum is designed is to be much more integrated. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm sure when you went through seminary, just like me, you had your pastoral care course and you had your Old Testament course, and you had your theology course. But as we know, the reality of ministry is that all three of those things happen in a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. And so when Betty walks into the pastor's office and needs pastoral care, you might immediately pull out the Psalms as a resource to help her with her grief, right? right? And so needing to think in that way and to not just operate in these, ministry never happens in a silo. Right. No one, unfortunately, no one has ever in my years of ministry walked up to me and said, would you please exegete this text for me in (laughs) five pages or less? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And yet exegesis is obviously an essential skill of ministry, but... Mm. Um, it's not siloed. It needs to be more integrated. Well, and you figure that out pretty quickly once you're actually in the parish or, or actually out doing ministry, even in an internship context. And I know that was one of my challenges in the seminary, um, admittedly here at Philadelphia as a student, um, was that I didn't feel I was actually learning real important things about ministry until I actually was doing trial and error, experimenting, working hmm. with people, involved in that dynamic, uh, integrated environment of ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that's not to say, you know, oh, that was so bad before, because many things in seminary did prepare me, uh, you know, in ways that kind of became clear later for ministry. But I, I love that um, that integrative kind of dynamic, hands-on approach. Uh, yeah. I think that's really going to be a strength of the program and it'll be neat to see the way that we're playing out this integrated piece too is that you'll you'll probably have like a pastoral care course but you'll have regular guest lectures from other areas Mm -hmm. so the old testament professor will come in and talk about the psalms as being used in a time of pastoral care Right, and so just to have that crossover as well mm-hmm. will create a really neat environment for the faculty, I would think, and as well as just the classroom setting itself will be so much more dynamic. You'll be hearing from multiple different people their perspective on this one particular topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of good, just as a learning experience and a learning environment that I think will be really helpful and enjoyable for students too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So how, if at all, in the first few years is the dual campus uh, reality going to affect the experience of the students uh, of the institution? Yeah, and so this is another piece of this where the barriers that keep people from going to seminary Mm. are typically location and money. I can't uproot my family and move somewhere else. 
I don't have enough money to pay for it. Yeah. And so the two campus model and the overall um, flexibility of the course schedule for United Lutheran Seminary is really doing a lot to counteract this second barrier. We've already talked about the money piece, yeah. but this barrier of location. One of the exciting parts is that you've got a campus now in an urban environment and a rural environment. Yeah. We don't know how it's going to play out, but we're hoping that some students might take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're more than welcome in United Lutheran Seminary to do a semester in Gettysburg and then change and do a semester over here in Philadelphia. That's really interesting. Yeah, it could, which could be really exciting and um, we'll see if people take us up on it. The, the, re the way that we've set it up at the moment is we don't want this two-campus model to be a burden to students. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you can focus your studies at one campus and the classes right. that you need will be there for you to graduate. And it'll pretty much feel the same as right. it would have a year ago. Yeah, right. I, I think that's I think right. that's fair in a lot of ways. That the the character, the unique character of both campuses yeah. will be largely maintained. Um, and, and as we live into a new identity as United Lutheran Seminary, right? Because there's there's the institutional memory of all the LTSP students who are living through this transition who will bring with them, mm -hmm. you know, that piece of character and as the generations go along, I imagine United Lutheran Seminary will develop its own unique character that is maybe similar across both campuses while also still being distinct given the locations. Right. So, and you were talking about location a little bit. Um, I know I've heard murmurings of, of various things with distance learning and all kind of what is being done in those areas to remove that burden or to make it at right. least less of a, uh, an obstacle? No, great question. Great question. That is, we do have a full um, distributed learning Master of Divinity degree. The way that that works is that you take most, the majority of your courses online and then you have to come to campus, either campus, um, mm -hmm. a, a few times a year to take on-campus intensives. Mm -hmm. um, so we're offering the courses at United Lutheran Seminary, there's like your regular weekly class that meets all semester long. But then there's also these online courses that meet during the semester. But then we also have a multiple periods throughout the year when we offer week-long intensives mm -hmm. where you do a whole bunch of reading and work prior to coming to campus. And then you're in the classroom Monday through Friday, nine to five. Mm -hmm. Intense is the right word. Right. <laughs> and, then, and that's all classroom discussion, a lecture from the professors, those types of things. And then you probably have a paper or two to do after uh -huh. the class ends. But you get a whole class taken care of in a week's time. Mm -hmm. And so for students, we LTSP actually launched a distributed learning program last fall. So we've already okay. had a year of this. Mm -hmm. And so we've got students in, um, in Buffalo, New York, some of my old friends. Uh, we've got students in Virginia, we've got students in um, Florida, New England, wow. kind of all over already. That all come in for an intense yep. week and then... But they're able to maintain their, their current location mm -hmm. and then, you know, they fly out maybe once or twice a year to take these courses and, and still get some of that on-campus community, get to know their professors and classmates... Uh, but are able to complete their whole degree without having to yeah. relocate, which is well, really nice. And just the, you know, that's at least three discrete options right there uh, mm -hmm. that you named. Four, possibly, if you're taking classes at both institutions or, you know, or any combination thereof. And so I just, you know, again, we were, we're moving from an age where there was one way to do things. And we decided as a church from the top down, we're going to do things this way and in this order. And. Uh, and nothing works that way anymore, even though in some areas we haven't figured that out yet. But 
the you know the the, the multi the, the the multiple options for the students I think is really going to remove what what probably was uh, an inhibition or uh, just maybe an excuse for some uh, to not take that step to ordained ministry or rostered ministry as a deacon as opposed to other lay ministry roles that they may already be involved in, which many of these models allow them to, to continue in their home communities, mm-hmm. which is just wonderful. So, okay, real quick, you have 60 seconds. <laughs> what one thing do you want everyone to know about the, uh, the newborn uh, three-week-old United... <laughs> Lutheran Seminary. <laughs> oh, and so this the is clock the is ticking. This <laughs> is the commercial. I should have come prepared. <laughs> you should have waited. <laughs> so I think what I'm describing here and what is hopefully evident in all of this is that first off, mergers are hard. Mm-hmm. And a lot of congregations, uh, probably people listening, have lived through the merging of congregations. And so there's a lot of, you know, parties that you're trying to keep happy and traditions you're trying to protect and maintain. But what I will say is that I think the ultimate uh, philosophy that's driven this merger is this student-centric what's best for the church of the future. Mm. That, that all, as you look at the pieces that I've laid out for this morning, accessibility of classes, groundbreaking financial aid, um, competency-based curriculum. It, the overarching theme to all this is we're trying to figure out what do the students need and then and ultimately really what does the church need from these students. And so with that as the underlying impetus for this whole merger, I, I think that that should excite people and, and really comfort people as well. And, and granted, um, it's hard to, to do it in a way that keeps everyone happy. And we've probably messed up along the way and, um, you know, it hasn't been perfect. But at the very heart of things is this student-centric, what's best for the church. That's what's driving us. And I'm excited to see already what we've accomplished, but also what what will come next as well as we continue to live into this. With This is the driving force of caring for the students, caring for the church. That's awesome. Well, as uh, an alumni of... LTSP and uh, a local here in Philadelphia. I've been excited and am excited by what is happening and by the the very clear goals, which you've just named, um, that are motivating what's going on here. Um, But mostly, I'm just thrilled that there are two, uh, now one, (laughs) large institutions of the church that are shaping our leaders of the future. They're taking very seriously the question of what do our church leaders need for today and tomorrow's brave new church uh, and the brave new world that we that we live in, which is very different from even the one that we started our ministry in, mm-hmm. uh, and we're not all that old yet. But <laughs> um, so I um, I really appreciate you sharing a little bit about that today and take the time to sit down and just the good work that you're doing, Nate. Thanks. No, I really appreciate it, Brad. And uh, yeah, just love to have the opportunity to talk about this. I'm obviously really excited. And if there's anyone listening, if you want to go to seminary, I'm your guy. Give me a call, 215-248-6321, or email admissions at uos.edu. Oh, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. All right. Uh, Call now, and we'll double your offer. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks so much, Nate. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. God bless.
Well, thanks so much again for joining us for our episode of Brave New Church. I hope you'll come back, and I hope that you'll also join us in the conversation in our online home at bravenewchurch.org. At bravenewchurch.org, you'll find forums, places for conversations and interactions, and also resources, both to equip you as individuals and as congregations for engaging the dynamics of leadership in a brave new church for a brave new world. Until then, I'll see you next week, and may you discover what God is already up to in your neighborhood.